0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. This week, I interview a founder who was struggling with his startup. He pivoted a few times, but just wasn't getting anywhere. And he noticed that he was spending way too much time on prospecting. In other words, finding prospects, getting their email address, reaching out to them, and so on. So he and his co-founder built a tool to help them do that work more efficiently. And then they went back to working on their failing startup. But eventually they realized that this tool that they had built for themselves was a much better business opportunity than the startup that they were working on. So they shut down that business and launched Cell Hack. And suddenly they started to get traction in large part thanks to some lucky media coverage on places like TechCrunch. And within two years, they hit their first million dollars of revenue. So I hope you like this interview. All right. Today's guest is the co-founder of Cell Hack, an online platform for salespeople. That helps them find targeted prospects, build email lists, and verify email addresses. My guest started his career on Wall Street as a broker, making 500 calls a day prospecting for new clients. He decided to follow his passion for tech and joined Right Media, which was later acquired by Yahoo!, and after spending three years at Yahoo, he left and began his own startup journey. CellHack was founded in 2014 and is based in Cleveland, Ohio. So today I'd like to welcome Ryan O'Donnell. Ryan, welcome to the show.
1: Omer, thank you for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Okay, so let's start by what gets you out of bed. What drives or motivates you?
1: My kids. <laughs> uh, I, my, I mean, physically and and I guess... Uh, from a motivational standpoint, they're either climbing into bed and waking me up and then um they're they're the reason I do everything.
0: So usually I like to ask my guests for a a, a quote or something that kind of encapsulates uh how they think about um what they do or what drives them. Uh what what is that for you?
1: Yeah. So when I saw this come through in the uh, in the interview prep, I, I was thinking about this and, and didn't want to turn it into sounding something like I, I Googled that, you know, I picked a, a quote from the top 50 inspirational quotes out there. <laughs> so I, I thought, you know, I actually thought long and hard about this and, and came up with something that I found in a, in a deck I presented last night to a group of entrepreneurs. And it's embrace the fear, act like a hero, not a coward.
0: I like it. D- did you just come up? With that yourself,
1: maybe put an asterisk next to the attribution because <laughs> it very well, very well could have come out of you know listening to a podcast like this and hearing someone really interesting talk about that. But I think you know as an entrepreneur, um, as someone who's you know just going through life, there's you know a ton of fear that that comes into play, and you know you'll look at you know some of the secrets of of the super elite you know military when they face challenging situations, the first thing they do is they calm down, right? They slow their heart rate down. It's one of the things I I try to teach my kids, right? When something crazy happens, don't overreact. Don't react right away. Settle down, embrace the fear, right? And then you have the choice of how you're going to act, right? And it's act like a hero, not a coward, right? And making the smartest choice possible.
0: I, I like that. You know, it's funny because this morning, I, for some reason, wrote down, and again, this wasn't, you know, my, my ideal, my wisdom, but I heard it somewhere, but I wrote down the words, live life fearlessly. And I don't know why, but it just, just sounded good. <laughs> and uh, it, it kind of resonated with me. Um, and it also kind of made me realize that, you know, living life fearlessly doesn't, you know, it, it's, it's easy to say, but it's not necessarily easy to implement in your own life. Um, you know, what does it mean living fearlessly? Does it mean you go out and do you know, crazy stuff every day? Uh, maybe, but then I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, I think, and, and I think on there you mentioned do one thing every day that gets you out of your comfort zone. And I thought, how appropriate. Just it, it doesn't have to be huge, but even if you just start to think that way, uh, you know, doing one thing out of your comfort zone every day adds up to hundreds of things
1: outside of your comfort zone every year. So.
0: Anyway, let's talk about Cell Hack. How, how did you come up with the idea for that business?
1: We built this group gifting application direct to consumer, uh, failed to get traction on that. Um, so it was you know time to pivot. So we said, okay, B to C is not working. Maybe B to B's work would work. If we can't get the distribution direct to consumer, maybe we'll go to online retailers who already have distribution. Um, places where wedding registries or baby registries are already getting created. And we'll go to the, to a retailer and say, Hey, look, when your clients are, are checking out online, um, you know, why not offer them the ability to split the purchase of a gift, increase order value and all that good stuff. So if we were selling B- we ultimately went B2B with, uh, so we went from, uh, from group gifting B2C to B2B group gifting. And then we added video messaging as like a third pivot later Um, again, selling B2B to retailers, but in order to get to these retailers, right, I would have to go and find them. I'd have to find the decision maker. I'd have to find their contact information and then I'd have to make first contact. Business development and prospect list building was a huge time suck. We built sell hack as, as a way to make that a heck of a lot more of an efficient process. And then, you know, kind of, that's what's led us to this point.
0: So were you guys, when you started building that, were you thinking of building that as a product or was it really a tool to help you do a better job with your own prospecting?
1: It was not meant to be a company, right? It was, it was build, you know, it was Marco, please build me a tool um, that, that can, you know, speed up this process of gathering this information and then verifying it. You know, and then he built it. And I was like, all right, this is cool. So I shared it with a few other friends and said, hey, I know you guys are also running startups. Um, you might dig this as much as much as I do. And then, you know, that, that's when that, you know, all the kind of viral sharing started to happen. Someone posted it to Honor and, and to Reddit and, and all these other kind of distribution sources. And that's what helped, you know, get the word out to folks that, you know, who were sharing the same problem. Because so anyone selling to other companies, especially B2B, and specifically for, for a startup who doesn't have the luxury of, you know, going a traditional path of working with a list broker or anything like that, you've got to do a lot of these things on your own and, and times against you. And anytime you can trade, you know, um, trade your time for a reasonable amount of money that's going to free you up to do other things, as a startup, you have to do that, right? You have to prioritize your time first. Um, and we just saw, you know, oh, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of startups and you know want to focus on how do I keep my burn down and how do I spend as as little as possible. Um, what they don't realize is that, you know, while they might not be spending an additional two to three hundred dollars a month, they're wasting six hours, right? And that six hours is a heck of a lot more valuable than two to three hundred
0: dollars. When you were sharing this tool, this was just basically a free free online tool that anybody could go and start using. Like it when was. people started sharing it on Reddit and things like that. Yes. Okay. So at what point did you guys turn this into a business or decide to turn it into a business?
1: We took two paths internally. First was um Marco, who is you know CTO, co founder, uh, you know, technical lead. Um I said, look, you gotta, you know, get us set up to uh, for a uh, subscription plan for this. And we we figured out, you know, what we would charge and, and how to get all the you know, payment mechanisms in place and that. And I said, I'm going to focus on making sure that we're able to run this business first and foremost. And second, um, you know, I've got to come up with all the, you know, we got people on a list. We got to, we got to communicate with them. So the first thing we did um, two weeks or 10 days later, we sent in, we sent our second email out, um, the email prior to that, basically just let folks know what was happening um that we were you know working to to get things right. And then, you know, ten days later, the email went out to the whole list and it said, Look, well, um, you know, if you want access to this again, we're prioritizing um access to um, you know, folks who are who are serious about incorporating this as part of their business. And our, our plan started at nine bucks a month. So first access went to folks who pulled their credit card out and 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 you know made their first payment. Right. And you know we were we were at we were, you know, profitable and, and had revenue on, on on day ten. And our hand was slightly forced to get us to that point, but you have to adapt. And that's what we were thrown. That's the situation we were given and that's the direction we chose to go.
0: So so there's one thing I'm not clear about. When you when you said that you started sharing the the tool with other people you knew and then it kind of went a bit viral and, and people were sharing it on Reddit, things like that. Um, I assumed it was a link that somebody could kind of click on a link and go and access the tool and start using it. Um, but then later... It was you a Chrome made...
1: plugin. It was a Chrome plugin.
0: Okay, okay. Um, and so when did... And then you talked about this page where people could sort of sign up to mm-hmm. to sort of get access, so I'm kind of I'm kind of a little bit confused about. I thought they already had access.
1: As soon as we took the site down, we left the registration page in place. We just put up a simple landing page. Okay, okay, okay. So people sign, you know, people were driven the site. We put a little message up that says, "You know, I forget what it what it said. I'd like to go back and find it. You know, um, something the effect of we're we're taking a nap right now. Um, you know, um, <laughs> if you'd like to know when when we wake up and this thing's going again, you know leave your email address, right? And then Got we it. had a bunch okay. of people leave their email address. And then we contacted them, you know, like I said, once before we, and that once just to try to keep them fresh and let them know to expect something. And then as soon as we were ready to go, 10 days later, uh, we said, look, if, if, if you want this, it's going to cost at least nine bucks uh, to get it. And that's how we onboarded our first couple of customers.
0: H- how much revenue have you guys done over the last two years since you launched?
1: we've done over a million dollars over the last
0: two years. I think the point, the most interesting thing for me here is a lot of the times when somebody starts out with some or a desire to launch a new startup, there's almost this expectation that I need to, I need to have a fully baked idea that is going to be the winning idea that I'm going to go and, and build into this, this huge successful company. Um, and I need to be super clear about who my, my target market is, who my, the niches that I'm focusing on. And what's interesting with you guys is you, you got to a point where you've, you've hit a million dollars in revenue over the last two years. But when you started out, you had a completely different product in mind when we think about the previous startup and you had a completely different market or target customer in mind, but it almost seems like that was maybe a necessary part of the journey to get to get you where you are today.
1: For, for better or worse. Yes. That's, that's what happened. If I had to do it all over again and I'm sure in the, course of my career i'll be i'll be in a position where um it's time to start again and and move on to something new um i think what i've taken away from that is you know i had no domain expertise in in online retail right i had no domain expertise in you know gifting or payments or anything like that and i really didn't even care about any of the three right to 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 any degree, right? They, they just weren't in my wheelhouse. I had a lot of things that were in my wheelhouse. And what I think I, I took away from that is, um, I, I don't think it's smart for me in particular, and I can't speak for anyone else listening. Cause you know, there's a, there's a contradiction to, to every you know, statement or piece of advice I could offer, but I am going to focus on, on things that I know. Right. Um, I'm gonna focus on problems that I have and solving them, especially if there's an inadequate solution to them existing currently, right? That's an opportunity. That's something I know really well, it's something I can get behind. Um, if it's not something, and like I said, we use cell hack every single day. That's a plus, right? If you use your own product, that's even better, right? So what I what I'd like to at least offer to entrepreneurs, you know, when I speak to them and they tell me what they're working on, um, you know, I, I ask them how much they care about it. You know, what, you know, how does this personally affect them? Um, and then, you know, I challenged them to, you know, especially if their, their experience is different, um, you know, in their career prior to this, you know, what are some of the challenges? You know, it's, it's easy, right? If you're, if you're an ad tech, for example, right, why would you leave ad tech to go start like a, a photo sharing company? Um, maybe you're going to have success with it, but if you're an ad tech and you're doing a specific job every day and you're like, this is the most important, the most frustrating time consuming thing in the world to go in and, and review these, these ad creatives and do this or that, um, why not, you know, if that problem isn't solved, start there, solve that problem, right? When you solve that problem for people, you're going to learn about what are the other things that are, that are connected to that problem that you could solve next, Right. And then you're going to learn, you know, from that, what you could build next. And then that's how you build your platform and your application and your company, right? As opposed to coming in and saying, look, I've got this vision for this. I'm going to build this huge overarching, you know, over-architected, uh, system and platform. And then I'm going to go try to find clients, right? I like to get products in people's hands as quickly as possible that solve, you know, this, the simplest, but most annoying problem that they have. And then, you know, establishing those folks as my early champions and talking to them and, ex- and engaging in dialogue to learn about what else, you know, what do you do after you do this? We just solved this for you. What do you do next? Right? What do you do after that? what do you do before this? Right? What do you do in combination with this? And that's how you learn about what are the other related things you can build, um, you know, that can ultimately let you charge more for a service and go after more potential customers.
0: So, so far it sounds like, hey, it's a great story. It's easy. But in, in reality, things are never really that easy when you kind of look under the surface or under the hood. So I want to kind of explore that a little bit more and sort of learn about, okay, once you launched this product and you started charging for it, what what lessons did you learn along the way? And, and specifically, I want to spend some time talking about some mistakes that you guys made that so you sort of look back and say, if, if we were sort of going back in time and, you know, do doing the sort of those growth and marketing or sales activities again, I I wouldn't do it that the same way I would do something differently. So let's kind of go back to you guys are, you you put the page up and then you launch the product with a subscription plan. So tell me a little bit about what happened next.
1: From, you know, getting this thing out in the world. It was the day after we, I want to say we did around $500 in revenue that day. And, and, you know, $500 from nothing is nice. It's, it's, it's two car payments, right? And when when you have no other source of income and all of a sudden your car just got paid for, for the month and it's going to repeat next month because those are kind of month to month renewing. That's a nice thing. It's like, check that off the list. I don't have a car payment anymore, Right. Um, but, but $500 is, is, you know, 250 a month when you split it between two people doesn't, you know, it's, you're not living off of that. So we had to figure out, well, okay, how do we get this number up? Right. So one of the first things that we did was, um, we took a very manual approach and we said, okay, um, let's go research these, these 50 people who just took their credit card out and, um, decided that what we built was, um, uh, you know, valuable enough to, to spend their hard-earned money on right and we did it very manually right we found all these people we went and you know searched for them um you know online and we made note of uh you know characteristics about them right so where did they work right what was their job title where were you know where were they based where did they live um you know what was their company size know, and we went and looked in at, you know, try to infer from their organization, you know, do they have direct reports? Are they using this themselves? Are they buying it for their team? And, you know, from there, um, we were able to build our our first couple you know uh, customer personas. Right. So we knew that that, you know, we had we had a, a subset of folks who were, you know, technical recruiters. Right. They're online recruiters. Um, we had a subset of folks who were, you know, VPs of sales at, you know, companies from you know, five to 50 employees. We had CEOs from, you know, uh, the internet industry located primarily in New York and San Francisco um, at companies with less than 10 employees. Right. So based off of that, we were able to come up with our first few segments. And then from there, if you do a search, um, if you go online and you do a search for, you know, uh, CEOs, internet equals industry location equals New York and San Francisco Company size, you know, two to 10, for example, you're going to come up with hundreds to thousands of results, right? And there's no reason why we wouldn't go and focus on other people who were similar um, to the folks who had already spent money with us. And that's really where we started, right? Um, so, you know, we started, you know, sending emails out and making phone calls and, you know, buying Facebook ads targeted to, you know, um, targeted to audiences who who resembled folks who were our existing customers. And that's how we started our, our growth engine.
0: It, a lot of people, uh, I kind of feel like sometimes they kind of skip this step or try to initially cast the net a lot wider. You know, although this product is for everybody, right? Um, right. So what, what benefit did you get by creating these these segments. Did, did it was it really just about targeting or did it also change the way that you thought about you know everything from the copy that you were writing on your landing page to the the product features that you were thinking about?
1: A CEO of a tech startup cares about different things compared to a VP of sales at a Fortune 500 company, right? They fundamentally care about different things. Um, you know, when you speak to them, um, you need to, you know, and you're trying to uh, gauge their interest or, or, um, you know, their intent to actually come on board and, and use your service. Um, you, have to, you have to offer them different things, right? The CEO wants to get to their, you know, they're looking to pile on revenue right? It's not saying the VP sales at, at your, you know, that's your publicly traded 10,000 person company doesn't, but what they're interested in is they're interested in, you know, how do they, how do they help their, their team, the folks who report to them, their sales organization of 50 to 500 people, how do they help them become more efficient, right? Which ultimately leads to more revenue, but fundamentally these people care about different things. So um, by segmenting, our 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 customer segments um and getting fairly granular on there, we were able to create messages um, and and talking points that when we spoke to either one, we were able to talk about things that actually mattered to them. And initially, you know, we guessed at a few things, but one of the questions I always ask when I get onto a call with someone um, in in some way, shape or form is, you know, what piqued your curiosity enough? To want to schedule a call with me today. Okay, they'll answer that question, and then I'll typically follow that question up. And I'm making notes the whole time that they're talking, right? Because um, I want to use their words, and I want to look for for patterns. Um, you know, based on a segment that these folks are in, I'm, I'm looking for patterns that I can, it, you know, that I can use in the future. That's going to speak with the with the correct tone to my prospect, right? So my follow up question to that, once it's, you know, what piques your curiosity, I'll ask something to the effect of, you know, um, what are you doing now or, or what problem do you have that you think cell hack is going to solve? Right. And they'll say something like, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time building my prospect list. Right. And then my follow up question to that is, you know, tell me about how you're spending that time. What exactly are you doing? Right. And they'll take me through their process then. So then I know exactly, um, you know, I know why they're interested. I know what they're looking for me to solve and I know what they're currently doing. Right. And that helps me, um, you know, both be more successful in the, in the call that I'm on with that person, but also in my initial email outreach or, or phone outreach or or ad campaign creation, it helps me choose the words and frame our value proposition in such a way that is, you know, ideally going to generate the the highest um, rate of response, uh, you know, to those outreach campaigns. And I think I'll sum all this up by saying, initially, you know, we had assumptions about this, but one of the first things that we did for every every customer that we had, because we had zero marketing automation in place at this point, um, we would schedule a, a quick call with them. Right And when I say quick call. No no one wants to to join an hour-long call, right? Um, very few people want to get on a half-hour call. We would structure our calls to be anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes. In, in fact, I, I keep that today. Um, the link to my online calendar, you can only block out 15-minute times, right? Because I want to, like, you know, I believe that we can get accomplished what we need to in 15 minutes. Um, having done this, but we would schedule calls with folks and then we would ask them, we would ask them these questions. Now they had already spent money with us, but we would ask them these probing questions to help us in the future with our, you know, with our uh, future prospects we, we'd be working with. So talking to your customer and having a, a reason and a structure around how you talk to your first few customers is very important in, in helping you find and then helping you actually close your next 50 customers.
0: So far it sounds great, and it sounds like you guys have or you have a you you have a well defined process now for dealing with sales calls and and um t- you know closing but give me give me an example of or one example of things that didn't go well when you were in the early stages of growth
1: we would uh well we we didn't have we didn't have onboarding in place. Right. And, and no one wants to be demoed. I just said, you know, we scheduled 15 minute calls to be respectful of folks time where you've got people who don't even want to have a call, right? They signed up for the, for this product, hoping it would do something. We didn't have onboarding in place. Cause again, this was like day 15 and 16 at this point. So they'd get into the application and have no idea what to actually do with it. Right. Or how to use it. And then what we'd see is that the people who would get frustrated that we didn't speak with would end up canceling, right? Because they weren't getting the value that, that they expected out of it. Um, so one of the first moves that we made, um, within, you know, within the first month, uh, within the first, you know, probably 30 to 45 days of having this thing out in the wild is, um, you know, we invested in a tool, um, that would specifically help, you know, with onboarding and, and some marketing automation. Right. So we would, so based on the action that, that our, our, you know, customers were taking within the application, um, that would, you know, we would code up some JavaScript and based on whatever action they took, that fired a signal to our marketing automation platform that had an email that went out to them that basically told them, you know, uh, you know, keep doing the thing that you're doing, right? Find, find more prospects from XYZ Corp. Right. Or, you know, said something to the effect of, you know, um, you know, your, you know, the file you uploaded couldn't be processed because of one reason or another. Right. And we gave them, um, you know, based on the action that they took and the success or failure there, we had messaging that went directly out to them. Your credit card's expiring soon. Right. Or or whatever. And they took, you know, they took action from that point. They clicked the, the call to action in the email that they were sent or in the in-app notification. And we quickly got um, you know a lot of these, these bottlenecks resolved with our clients. And that significantly helped our retention.
0: So uh, you make a good point there that putting some thought into onboarding and making sure that you give new customers uh, a frictionless experience to go from sign-up to actually getting value out of using your product is super important. But given that you guys have just been... Uh, in market for what 15 or 16 days i I wouldn't fault you for not having marketing automation in place so definitely i think that's one of the things that come with any kind of growing pains of any new business and especially if you kind of have launched quickly and are growing quickly but i want to kind of explore a little bit more about mistakes that you guys made
1: cool i've got one for you again all this kind of follows the same thing so we We would get on a call with our customers. We would try to get on the call with them and we would ask a series of questions to them. And and I went through some of the questions that that we asked of them in terms of um, what value they think we're going to solve, what they were doing before us, so on and so forth. But inevitably what would come up in that call is they would say, Hey, it would be great if you had this. It would be great if you had that. Um, I would, I would use you if, if, you know, it did this instead of that, right? And what we would do is, you know, with our prospects and, you know, some of our, our paid customers on, on the lower plans is our product development initially was driven heavily based off of, um, unfounded feature requests, right? And some of them were, were, were significant, um, significant, uh, investments that basically for anyone technical on the call, we incurred a ton of technical debt. Building out things that we should have never built out because somebody asked for it. Give right? me,
0: give me, give me an example of one that was particularly time-consuming.
1: It's, I, I mean, it's a, it's a current, it's a current feature in our product right now. Right, it's called, uh, it's called Company Miner. Um, it's a way where you could take a list of companies and specify a list of of titles and, um, and essentially n- not automate it from the perspective where you know, we're going to, you know, pre-fill a bunch of, you know, we're going to get all this data for you automatically. But but when you're searching for these, you know, prospects at, at various companies, you know, and you're looking for the CTO at company A and the CEO at company A and the VP of marketing at company A, and then you're looking for those same three titles at company B all the way through company, you know, company N, for example, you know, going back and forth from an Excel doc can be uh, can be somewhat cumbersome and confusing. Right. So, um, you know, we you know, probably spent, you know, a good couple of weeks to a month building out a tool that would make that more efficient. And we have some clients who use it. Right. But I would say, you know, 5% of our clients use it. It's certainly not something that, um, the investment that we made in it, uh, we've not achieved a, a positive ROI. Right. The reason we built it was, you know, we had a few people ask for it. Um, and and we didn't do um, we didn't scrutinize the feature request hard enough. We didn't stick to our plan. Quite frankly, we didn't have a great plan in place, um, you know, that we deviated from, you know, we were looking at, okay, uh, the core application built, it's in a stable place. It's doing what it's doing, you know, what next. And then rather than, you know, being really critical of these 10 or 50 things that, that we could do. Um, you know, we went after one that, you know, randomly was, was suggested by a few folks within a, a short period of time. And and that's what led our product decision on, on that, on that specific feature. Right. And if I had to do it back, if I had to do it over again, I, I wouldn't have, I, I would have said that, you know, um, that's, that's not in our product roadmap. Um, it's noted, we'll keep it in mind, but I would have rather built something. I would have rather built what we're building right now. Um, which I'm, I'm not at liberty to to talk about. I would have rather built that, that instead.
0: But it's so hard, isn't it? When you've got, you've got people and especially if they're already spending a little bit of money with you to, to, when they say, well, Hey, you know, if you had this or whatever, it's, I think it's hard to, to not go and start building that stuff because, it seems it seems kind of the intuitive thing to do, doesn't it?
1: It does, and and I'm, you know some people listening to this might be thinking, well, why wouldn't you do that if you didn't have anything better to build, right? Why you know why wouldn't you listen to your customers? Um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, sometimes you don't you don't know these things until you actually you know do them and 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 then learn from it. But I think you know the the goal is is that anything, especially if, a, if, if someone's asking for something and they're not paying you any money for it, that's an immediate red flag, right? Especially when they say, well, I will pay you money if you do this. Um, I, I like to get people to pay up front. I say, well, you know, because everything, what drives our, our development right now, everything that we build is tied to revenue, right? We don't build anything that does not generate revenue for us, Okay. So I get a ton of feature requests coming in, things like that. But everything that we do has to have a bottom line to it, and we'll reprioritize stuff based on the opportunity. So if I have a big client come to us, like what happened recently, and they needed something specifically built, but this was a twenty thousand dollar you know customer a month, they were spending twenty grand with us. So they immediately what they wanted, you know, uh, you know, help to get get their feature prioritized. Where in the past. Um, if you're not holding, you know, feature requests tied to revenue, either that you can make across your platform or from one client who's already committed, I think it's really easy to get in this habit of, of trying to please people. Right. Um, just because they're the ones they're the squeaky wheels who are emailing you as opposed to doing, you know, the, the, the things that are going to help your business go to the next level and making changes that are going to be sustainable. Um, even either sustainable from a revenue standpoint, meaning they're going to keep you in business longer, or they're going to be something you can fall back on in two to three to five to 10 years because they're core components of your business.
0: I want to talk a little bit about your pricing plans because looking at the site today, you have standard plans which start at $9 a month and go to $249 a month. And then you have... Team plans, which go from $99 a month to almost $1,200 a month. And I'm sure you, you may have some custom plans there as well for, for larger customers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ideally, you want to be having some of these larger plans in place and appealing the attracting those types of customers. I'm curious how you went from launching with a $9 a month plan to. To where you are today, and and the reason I ask is because uh, a lot of the times people will launch a product, and it's really difficult to figure out what the right price is that they should charge. And I think some people have an approach. Hey, you know, even if I can, even if I can get five dollars a month from somebody initially, that that kind of helps me validate and and start to 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 get. A little bit of early traction, and then I can kind of deal with those people and raise my prices as I sort of go along. other people try to sort of get their prices a little bit you know maybe spend some more effort on that early on so when you launched, was the nine dollar a month plan the only plan you offered at the time
1: no no our, our plans have been priced the same. Uh, we didn't have team plans in place then, but they were nine through two forty nine okay right
0: and and, um, and and you were getting you were getting people signing up. Across the the board on those plans,
1: yeah, for, for the most part, they would start with the nine dollar plan, and be, you know, with with SellHack, you can you can upgrade or downgrade um, your plan throughout the course of the month or from month to month, depending how your 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 needs kind of ebb and flow with prospecting, right? So we set up to be flexible. Most of the folks started with a nine dollar plan. When they hit their limit, they would upgrade to the twenty nine dollar plan. When they hit their limit again, they would upgrade to the ninety nine dollar plan. And then, you know, they'd be able to kind of right size their account based on what they needed. Okay.
0: And, and and each plan allocates a certain number of what you call email credits.
1: Certain, a certain, certain number of credits. So so your cost per credit roughly is anywhere from 20 cents to 16 and a half cents. Okay. Um, compared to, you know, the market that, that we came into and what helped us kind of shape our pricing um, if I'm going to preempt what might be a follow up question from you, uh, we looked at, at what other companies were charging, right? And we looked at, um, you know, not going to name any names, but, the, you know, there were some historical list brokers that would charge anywhere from 50 cents to a dollar per contact, right? And we said that's way too high, you know? Um, and then we looked at, you know, other kind of technology related solutions and what they charged, and, you know, we, for better or worse, we pick the price, and, and that price has worked for us. Um, compared, so we can compare it to existing players in the market. The second thing we compared it to was um, what's the opportunity cost for someone not to use us and to do to to prospect and do the thing that we solve manually, right? So it takes, on average, uh, you know, two minutes to get all that contact information that you need to. Um, you know, first name, last name, title, company, email address, phone number, you know, location, address. To get all that data, it's going to take you two to five minutes, two minutes on average, to get all those data points about one person into, say, an Excel doc, right, where all the data is in a unique column, okay? Um, what we found is that, you know, if you take, you know, base salary, someone's making 60 grand a year, it's costing that business, it's costing them, anywhere from two to $5 per contact for the amount of time that that person is spending doing the thing that we solve. So we figured, look, if we can, you know, if we're charging 10 cents and we're effectively saving our clients or sorry, if we charge 20 cents and we're effectively saving them a dollar 80 per contact, there's a return on investment there. And what comes out of that is is they're saving time, but the, those five hours that we're going to free up for them, those are five additional hours that they can spend, you know, um, on demos, um, you know, sending emails, working on proposals, um, helping to you know helping to generate more revenue for their company, right? And that ultimately is what has, you know, become our value proposition.
0: All right, it's time for our lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and i just like you to answer them as quickly as you can. Oh boy. Okay. What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received?
1: Shut up. And in the context of, and I learned it as a broker and it was um, ask a question and then shut up.
0: Uh, What book would you recommend to our audience and why?
1: I don't read a ton of books. They they take too long. Um, I like listening to podcasts like this. If I had to read, if I had to recommend a book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People.
0: What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur?
1: Curious, uh, curious experimentation.
0: What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
1: My calendar. I put everything in my calendar, uh, personal, professional, uh, even when I want to golf or go to the range or, or work out, everything lives in my calendar. I have specific time carved out that I don't care what comes up. If it's in my calendar and it's that important, that's what I'm doing then.
0: Uh, What's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time?
1: I would like to build the crystal ball that would help me see um, based on all the products that, you know, based on the product that we're building right now, what I'm going to be working on six, 12 months, two years from now um, as we continue to grow. Because, you know, it's just you always learn new things when you when you release new stuff to the world. I wish I could, I could see what that's going to be.
0: Yeah. I'll buy one of those. Um, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know?
1: Uh, there was, there was a, a trend going on, I think, uh, Twitter or, or Facebook recently. That was something along the lines of like, what are the, you know, first seven jobs I've had the coolest jobs in the world. Um, I was a ski instructor, a camp counselor, um, and not, not because i was, you know, come from a privileged background or anything. I just i figure if you're going to make money doing something, you might as well do something you enjoy.
0: Yep. And finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work?
1: Kids, my kids, my family. I work from home. Um most often uh my co-founder shares the same uh uh the, the same passion, but um, my kids.
0: Cool. If folks want to find out more about Cell Hack, they can go to cellhack.com. And if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Ryan at cellhack.com. I reply to every email I get when it's from a person um, and not automated. So, uh, yes, questions, comments, feedback, anything, Ryan at cellhack.com.
0: Sweet. Uh, Ryan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for for sharing your story and and your uh, insights with, with our audience. Um, I, I certainly enjoyed this conversation, and uh, I wish you all the best.
1: Well, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, and thanks to the folks who uh, thanks for putting this on. Um, this is, these are you know th- there's been a ton of interesting people um, that you've interviewed as an entrepreneur. I I, I dig hearing from um, in this sort of format these, these sort of, you know, these stories about topics that, that are, uh, important to me or, or might be at some point in the future. And then, you know, to the folks who are listening, uh, whether it's over your lunch break or a coffee or, or while you're cranking through some emails, thank you for your time. And, uh, like I said, uh, don't hesitate to email if you've got any questions or comments. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Everybody.